Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. Rocket Mortgage Classic Instant Reaction Pod. The entire crew in studio. Not really. We're on the line. Let's bring them in. I'll start with Greg Ducharme. What's up, Greg? What a week. Uh, well, Rick, credit props to you. You were right. Every week since the comeback, you've been on Bryson saying he's going to win one of these weeks. And he finally did. It was great to see. I don't know how much credit I can take for that. It was uh, trending in the right direction. Mark Immelman, what we're seeing from Bryson DeChambeau, we will obviously talk a lot about, but what is your like quick initial reaction to this guy? Um, he's, I guarantee you, uh, how many PGA Tour members? I think it's 212 or something like this. Mm-hmm. There's about 211 guys, if my if arithmetic is correct have turned their head if they hadn't turned their head before this week they're now turning their head and now folks are beginning to ask questions let me tell you something as a former pga tour instructor you get leveled questions all of the time because these players are always looking over their shoulder and they're a number of instructors trainers nutritionists blood you insert the title over there that are gonna have to start fielding questions from the guys who they work for we will have Bryson DeChambeau check your arithmetic, but it sounds pretty sound over here. Kyle Porter, we went on HQ and we declared Bryson DeChambeau the best player in the world. Yeah, I, I would actually like credit. I was from, privy to that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I would like credit from Greg because I called Bryson the best player of the world on Monday. It's true. Ooh. So Rick always gets the credit no matter like if if something no matter good, what. Yeah, if something yeah. if like a if somebody's on a player and they play well, they're like, oh well, Rick probably said that. So I know that's what happens the majority of the time, but well, Cal, as your as your big brother, your older brother, I'm gonna call you out for talking out of two sides of your mouth, or is it just the hot take guy that's coming through? Because on the previous podcast, and you can go and check this, uh, the question was, okay, who wins? And you were like, blah, 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 Hovland, and these guys come from behind. If you're declaring him the best player in the world at the beginning of the week, why don't you just ride him till the end? Well, because it, it has nothing to do with whether or not he won. I, I don't care that he won. I, that, that's meaningless to me. Like, he's the what? best part in the He's the best part in the world because he's playing the best golf. Like, I, and that, if he would have shot 70 today, I would still say the same thing. Okay. You know, what's interesting about that? Um, best player in the world. Right now is Rory McIlroy as far as the rankings are concerned. Bryson has like taken Rory's greatest advantage and deme- like like almost I don't want to say I mean it may be a harsh word but belittled it like he's I mean he's taking Rory's advantage of distance off the tee and he's just outdone him he's just complete and and he's I would say a better putter than Rory too it, it's going to be fascinating when these two players get into a duel. I can't wait to see it because Rory's great for many other reasons than distance, but 
his biggest advantage has been distance through his career. And Bryson has just gotten a lot longer than him. So I, I can't wait to see these two duel it out. Yeah. Well, um, if you want to see us duel it out on the podcast, you can join us on YouTube. We're on YouTube. So head over there. First cut podcast. Uh, we'll tweet out all the links. It's available. You can get the hot takes via video. Now uh, let's jump into this. We're going to break down the top five players uh, from this week from the leaderboard. Then we are going to uh, give kind of what our big takeaways from the week are, but we've got to start with Bryson. Obviously, Mark, he is the biggest storyline since we've restarted. We have spent so much oxygen on him. Goes out and uh, proves what he's doing works, right? He shoots the lowest round of the day from the penultimate group. That Mm -hmm. is a pretty strong accomplishment of 65. Raises now his sixth trophy of his PGA Tour career. Yeah, it it was a seriously impressive performance here Sunday because – you know, criticism and expectation and, and adulation and all these sorts of things that you deal with as someone in the public eye, those are hard to tolerate. But I'll tell you what, the internal stuff, the expectation that comes from within, that's to me sometimes the hardest thing to deal with. And, and, and not only were people asking questions of Bryce and saying, okay, all this power, what's, you know, when are you going to turn this into a win? Well, he went and got the win this afternoon and that lot could have come apart at the seams in a big way after that horrid layup on 14 the par five i mean that was just incomprehensible to me and he makes bogey there and all of a sudden you're like whoa and then he blasts a wedge over the back of the par three green and wolf pins one in there and you're like hold on a second we could be tired here in about 15 minutes and next thing he buries he drains this bomb from across the green after an ill wedge on 15 or 16 or whatever it was and then you just you know driver eight iron birdie on 17 and then just for good measure all right because now i'm i'm cruising through twitter because i'm looking for the gift from our boy over here <laughs> and uh, didn't find it yet <laughs> and then i'm seeing this bryson's wedge shots smell like pachyderm's rear ends and stuff you know all this sort of stuff i'm hearing who and are you all following on twitter <laughs> Yeah, well, I follow the old people. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. And he stiffs a wedge just to put the exclamation point on what was a seriously good round of golf. And so, I mean, kudos to him. My hat is off. I had been giving the appropriate props over the last few weeks, but he, he proved that all of the work was worthwhile. It was, it, it proved fruitful today. You know, you mentioned something, Mark, about the wedges and how, people are saying that the wedges were not great, but the advantage that he has with the distance is what does the bad shot look like? And when you're hitting it, I mean, um, he was averaging like 111 yards into the green on par fours. When you're (laughs) averaging that kind of a distance into the green, you're not going to hit a shot that's going to get that far offline. It's not going to get into trouble that way. So the game of golf has always been how bad's your bad shot. And I don't care if you're in the trees. I don't care if you're in the rough, in a bunker. If you're 110 yards away, it's going to be really hard to make a bogey. It's hard. It can be hard to miss the green. And I think that's uh, kind of been an underrated thing in that viewpoint from, from Twitter, whoever you're following. Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like you might need a block or, or uh, mute a few people. Uh, <laughs> did, you, did you hear about my shot link discovery on Saturday, Greg? Yes. Which yeah, is that was good, man. That was good stuff, Kyle. It's it's crazy. Like he 
and I kind of wrote this afterwards, like, and everybody was on Twitter, like, oh, he broke golf. Well, he, he literally like broke shot link. Like we gotta, we gotta reconfigure some stuff because we have some bad data right now, which is hilarious that it came at the hands of the big data man, Bryson DeChambeau. So I'm, I'm looking at his strokes gained approach number right now. Do we, is this right? So he lost a half a shot. Is that, is that wrong? Because what are you guys going to do? You better, <laughs> I don't know. Watching some golf. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. I refuse to watch golf. First of all, <laughs> but I don't, only the spreadsheet, but is this number right? Kyle? What, what do we know about this? I, it can't, it's, it can't, it has to be wrong, right? I, I would say it has to be wrong <laughs> because, because what happens is you follow, see if you can follow this, Mark, you lose the, the drive. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know like which way they're measuring it because I think it's weird that they're only measuring, like, it, I think the number that Will Gray got from the PGA tour was if it's within 30 yards of the green, it's considered an approach shot. So do well, you it's get also the, scrambling? Okay, it also goes into the scrambling category then too. But do you get the do you get the strokes gain on the on the drive, or do you get it as an as an approach shot number? You asking me this question, dude? Well, no, you, I'm still get off. You should get the off the tee number. Yeah, well, you back out of it, right? Based on what he makes, you can back out of every number. So I don't know. It's weird because. This came up like Thursday or Friday. They mentioned this on PGA Tour Live, but only to the point of like, oh, we don't have the distance on that drive. He hit it past our grid. And only until, what was it, Saturday night when, Kyle, you were like, this is wrong. Like, there's no, no. way this adds up. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, he, he, he's out of the grid. He's out of the grid. <laughs> it's insane. I don't know. I don't know if they'll find How are they going to I got to tell you this. And then I laugh, okay? <laughs> I, lo I love you, boys. I really are. you got like three of my, four of my favorite human beings in the world. But, you know, <laughs> then I get Kyle tossing at me. Well, he's, dri he's leading driving, strokes gain driving, but he's second to last in strokes gain <laughs> approach. I'm like, okay. Well, he's one I'm off just, the lead. <laughs> I'm just telling you what the numbers told me. This is why you also have to watch uh, the, the, you know, the rounds on Saturday and Sunday. Nope. Uh, I have a quick... Can I give you my Bryson stuff real quick? Yeah, of course. Okay, so I was thinking about this. Three types of villains, right? So there's a villain that knows he's a villain. <laughs> there's a villain that uh, knows he's a villain but acts like he's not. But deep down, he knows. And then there's a villain who doesn't know he's a villain. And we've now fulfilled all three in, on the PGA Tour. Uh, Kepka knows he's a villain. Uh, Patrick Reed knows he's a villain, but acts like he's not. And now Bryson doesn't know that he's the villain. And so I think you've, I think you've got all these categories and I mean, you guys are laughing at me and it's kind of funny, but like the, the reality is that throughout human history, like we love the, the, the protagonist and antagonist story and Bryson is the antagonist, but he doesn't know it. So it's almost like, he's not in on the joke in the same way that I think Reed is like, I think he's in on it. Like he like gets that he's the guy that everybody hates, you know, all this different stuff. Bryson thinks that he's like, I think he thinks he's beloved. I saw some of the quotes afterward where it was like, this yes. guy thinks he's like Arnold Palmer, I think like changing the game and like ushering in a new era. It's like, bro, you on the rocket mortgage, the field strength is like not that great. So I'm, I'm pumped. I love it. I love all this stuff. It's so okay. good. Okay, well, look, that, that was some good stuff there, man. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm highly impressed. And I'm going to challenge you, the wordsmith that you are, 
because you know a number of the great writers of our era you'll know you won't know these guys you got to go way back in the annals but i mean like ob keeler and company people like this and, and folks had coined terms like amen corner and the great amen corner and the great white shark okay i think that's one of the great nicknames of all time and the golden bear okay i'm gonna i'm gonna task you with this guy we've you got to come up with a name for bryson DeChambeau, and we're gonna work that from here and try and make it stick I have to come up with it right now. No, I'll give you some time on this one. I mean, he's a guy that compared himself. I don't know if you guys remember this. This was uh, Abu Dhabi, like 2016, I think. He compared himself to George Washington. Do you guys remember this? No. I'll no. find it. Jake, producer I, Jacob, remember. Do you know, I, I, do you know, George, do you know what I'm talking George about? To George Washington? Why? Did he cut down a cherry tree? What, what are they, the same height? <laughs> no, he was talking. He was talking about himself as like a, a a disruptor and an inventor, and so he was listing all these people, and he threw George Washington in, <laughs> like a founding father type of thing. Yeah. Well, he he is he really is that way. I mean, I don't know if he's if George Washington is a fair comparison, but he he pushes things. He pushes the envelope forward. And I mean, how many times have we talked about this? Every level he's gone through, at every single level in in golf, he's been told. He's doing something that's crazy. It's actually illegal. It's it, it doesn't work. Single length clubs, uh, no taper jumbo grips, side saddle putting, all these crazy things he's done, um, and and it's worked every single level. It's worked, and now he's bulked up. You're not supposed to be able to lift and and succeed in golf, and and he has, and and he's gotten longer doing it. it it's been kind of a wild ride for him, and he, he succeeds at every level. I, I, I will absolutely second that. And, and I want to add to it as well. I'll, I'll come from the golf instructor standpoint. Okay. My days as a golf instructor, your goal is obviously to help your charge to do as well as he possibly can. But you know, you, you've got to deal with things like myth and belief and expectations and all these sorts of things. And it's a risk to go outside the box. It really, really is. Because if it fails and you're someone who's in the public eye, this could really, really turn out bad. I mean, you, you could have a tremendous meltdown. And to go outside the box like that takes big stuff. And then to back up what you're doing. I'm glad this is on YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because if you, couldn't, if you couldn't figure out what stuff yeah. meant, you could see what it meant. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I, wasn't gonna use it. Um, uh, I mean, I, I commend him for the belief that he has shown in what he's done. And, and the folks around him, because they is into this as well. And, and there's, there's this belief that should have a bunch of folks going, hold on a second, maybe we were wrong. Maybe we should have tried side saddle putting. <laughs> you know, but the, all, all of these things that he's been prepared to try in the public domain. Now, doing that on your driving range with no one around and no eyeballs on you, that's fine. But taking that onto the PGA Tour and then being... I mean, the guy got ripped for slow play. There's all sorts of stuff that's been going on. But look who's coming out on the other side of things, kind of smelling like roses right now. Uh, okay, I got the quote here, Mark. You ready for this? <laughs> Go ahead, so, yeah. Producer Jacob Producer Jacob found it. I knew I, I, you guys I thought, were laughing at while I was trying to wax lyrical. <laughs> yeah. over I, th I thought it, it was from Abu Dhabi. He played there in 16. He says, you look at Trent. This is unbelievable. He says, you look at trends in humanity and people... And people like following the norm. There you go. You've got people out there like Einstein and George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> they just stood out and capitalized on their differences and showed the world a little different side. 
Uh, I tried uh, the end of the quote. I think it's the same quote. He said he tried his swing, his sort of like golf machine swing. In 2011, I hit a stripe shot 210 yards right next to the flag, and I thought this could change golf. <laughs> what? I mean, the, the <laughs> okay. strokes, the strokes gain self delusion is just off the chart. Okay, but yes, okay, I'm I'm going to play a little advocate here, right? Um, Matthew Wolf is really popular. George Gankus is hugely popular. I mean, this guy's got a seriously serious cult following, and he came out in the media on my podcast, shameless plug. And in the golf magazines and all of the literature. And he said, Matthew Wolf is a disruptor. He's going to turn the game on its head. And he was praised for that observation. Yeah, because it's not, he's not the guy that's doing it. It's somebody that's observing it. I, that's fine. That's, that's his, that's his, but if Matthew Wolf came out and said that, I, I have a question for you guys. I, I want to throw it back to Rick because he hasn't, I feel like he's just been tossing it around. It, when you watch Bryson, I know you. I know you and I don't watch. We just sit in shot link all day or whatever. But <laughs> when you watch Bryson, is it is it uh, is it? Do you enjoy it? Is it fun? Is it like what you want to watch, or is it kind of like I don't know? Just how do you feel when you watch Bryson? So yeah, I just watch the yellow line in Shot Tracker. That's how I know what happens. Um, I. It is not that fun to watch, okay? It's it's kind of like the difference between the Houston Rockets, right? So the Houston Rockets of basketball have kind of optimized hmm. basketball, right? You're either going to take a three or you're going to get to the free throw line. And it's not fun to watch 45 free throw attempts a night, but I know that that's the best way for them to win. It's not fun to watch Bryson do this, but I understand this is like the best way for him to win, so I respect it, but I don't like watching it. Okay, so I think that I think you're on to something here. I think Bryson might be James Harden because okay. I, th I think what's happened here is it's not fun to watch, right? Like you're shooting 20 free throws if you're James Harden, but it works and it works most specifically in the regular season. So <laughs> in, in, in PGA Tour events. Yeah. And then you get to the postseason and it still might work, but I, it's going to be a little different. So I want to see. I want to see Bryson at Wingfoot. I want to see it at, uh, I wish they were going to Marion soon. That would be sick. But um, I want to see it on these courses where it's not just like Detroit Golf Club hit it as far as, I mean, Bryson was like 58th in, uh, no, he was second to last in distance from the middle of the fairway, which again, like this is what the PGA Tour is. It doesn't matter. And you can argue about whether you like that or not, but some of that stuff matters, I think a little bit more when you're playing an open championship, a US Open a master's. Um, so yeah, I love it. James Harden, Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, good call. Uh, and a really good call. And I guess the ultimate measuring stick for guys that are of this ilk of player is the Jack Nicklaus thing, the Tiger Woods thing. How many major championships? How many FedEx Cups? You know, all the big trophies. How many bars? How many FedEx Cups did Jack win? Well, if there was, he would have won a bunch ago. <laughs> um, uh, but we watched Bryson at Colonial. The place is single file. And he played his game around there. We watched Bryson at Harbour Town. It's even more single file. And he played his game around there. And, and so he's to a place here where he will do the math about the golf course enough, which is essentially what Scott Fawcett has done with Decade Golf. And he's turning the game on its head a little bit with, with different ideas on, 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 on when to attack and when to defend and what course management was like. And so Bryson is also changing the proliferation of course management and decisions and such. So I, I, 
I don't see the style of game changing, whether it's at a Marion or whether it's at a Augusta National. He's going to do his thing. And and he's proven to us, judging by the the just the just the plain scores that he's put together over the last 16 rounds. I mean, the dude is 69 under par. That's averaging like 68.8. And that I, I, I you guys I mentioned it on the uh, the HQ hit that we did. Since 2000, the low stroke average to win the Varden Award was Tiger Woods. And in 2000, he had that year that is, everyone will say was probably the best year in golf by any competitor ever with respect to all of the greats. Tiger's stroke average that year was 67.79. So here's Bryson in four short weeks, untested coming in here with this new thing. And he's averaging at a clip of 68.8. I mean, who knows when he just starts hitting some decent wedges, for goodness sake. I mean, it's just something to consider. Put a bow on it, Greg. Uh, All right. So major championships. Rough's going to get longer. The strategy is just not going to change. This isn't necessarily a novel idea. And Wingfoot was mentioned. So I'll go to a Wingfoot story first. There's also a Bethpage story. At Wingfoot in 2006, Phil Mickelson went into the tournament with basically, he felt like his golf swing was kind of in disarray. He didn't know where the golf ball was going to go. And their strategy because of that was just to hit driver everywhere. All right. I I don't know where it's going to go. I don't have control. If I'm going to miss the fairway, it may as well be closer to the hole. And he basically um, got to a point. He got into contention. He was so close to winning. He gave it away on the 18th hole, on the 72nd hole. So that strategy has played out there. Uh, And then last year at Bethpage, we saw a similar strategy. Guys just, they hit driver everywhere to get it as close as they can. And the sixth hole was the advantage. Um, My boss, Michael Breed, was out there with uh, his player and another player and and the other player's coach. And they were deciding on the strategy for that sixth hole. What were you going to do? Do you hit an iron on top of the hill or a driver down to the bottom in the fairway? Much riskier to hit a driver, but they found the data says you're 22% more likely to make a birdie if you hit a driver, even if you miss the fairway. Uh, So everybody hits driver there. And the game completely changed where it used to be you'd hit an iron to the top of the hill. Now we data has proven that it's worth the risk to hit driver. So rough is only a, a deterrent at a certain point. And the players are going to find that it's worth the risk at some point uh, to, to take on that risk and hit driver anyway. Even if you're in the rough, it's still a huge advantage. And that's what you're going to see Bryson do at Harding Park. That's what you're going to see Bryson do at Wingfoot. The distance is an advantage more so than the rough is a deterrent. And that's where we are in the game right now. And just quickly, I want to put a little bow on that. It's infinitely easier Double to hit bows. a 9-iron or a wedge out of some major championship rough than it is out like a 5 or a 6-iron. So, so even if he does drive it in the rough, he's got the leg up with a shorter club that you can bring in from higher because typically a major championship is defined by heavy rough, to Greg's point, firm, fast greens. And if you've got a firm, fast green, you're not going to spin it very much. So that thing's got to come in from altitude. And have you seen the shot tracker, the, the, the pro tracer that he's hitting these things? I mean, 156. That that yellow yeah. line, that straight yellow oh, that line. Yeah. Nuts. <laughs> Um, I'm very excited to see how this plays other places. Um, I hate to say this, but we have to move on. (laughs) Producer Jacob will kill me if we don't. So let's talk about Matthew Wolf, who Kyle opened the day with a three shot lead. That is usually, uh, good for 44% of the time you're going to win the golf tournament. Uh, if it's any consolation for Matthew Wolf, listen, Bryson boat, boat, boat raced everybody. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a good takeaway or not, but what did you, what did you think of him today? 
I mean, it wasn't good on the front nine. He lost strokes on seven of nine holes, tee to green. I mean, that's just – it's one thing if you have, like, two bad holes, right? Like, seven of nine tells me, like, you're, you're – you're either not feeling it or you got a little wound up in your head about what's going on, about how it's, about how it's playing out. Um, I, I don't, I don't care about him losing. I, I think I said this on HQ, he's 21. Like you just, you need to get in the mix a little bit. I mean, he doesn't, we talked about this on Saturday. He doesn't have a top 10 other than his win at the three M last year. So just to get in it and feel what it feels like. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. It gets, things get, going so quickly on Sunday, especially Sunday afternoon. And you, you just your breathing is the whole thing is it's like a different sport almost. And so he needs to feel that as much as possible, even if it doesn't result in wins. Um, but yeah, the front nine was bad. I thought it was great that he re I mean, he could have shot the 75 that Brendan Todd shot last week, but he didn't, he bounced back on the back nine kind of made it interesting. I thought that was pretty cool to see. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't change my opinion of him at all. I thought with the way it was going on the front, I thought we were still going to have, he was going to go without a top 10 because it looks like it could have, <laughs> I know, he, he I was know. going to eject out of this thing and he wasn't going to have one. Greg, the, the, the bounce back after being kind of, you know, smacked in the mouth a little bit, he makes uh, four birdies coming in. He plays his inward nine in 33. And there was a couple putts that slid by Greg. I mean, this, he, he had tried, like, there was a moment, there was a moment where this got close and then Bryson shut the door on everybody. This was the first time where I felt um, not having spectators had an effect on the tournament. The, this moment right here, when Wolf gets really close, he has a putt. Uh, he had, he had the Eagle putt on, um, I think on 14, which was from very, very makeable range. And, and Bryson had made, had done what he had done. And it was a really close tournament. And they were saying there's no score. There's no scoreboards out there. And if there was a leaderboard or if there were spectators and you heard rustling from Bryson, you may have gathered an idea of what was actually happening. And, and I, I think that may have hurt Matthew Wolf in this case. You don't know what happens on the early part. You don't know how big of an effect it really had, but it was the first time where I thought to myself, okay, if there were spectators, this would feel a lot different for Matthew Wolf. He would feel the energy. He would feel how close it actually is. So very interesting. But Kyle said it. I mean, he to, to put yourself in the mix again is a, a very important thing. It's important to understand how to handle that. And percentages don't go in the favor of being 100%. And Matthew Wolf was really 100%. When he's in the mix, he wins. He, he's done it every time. It just happened to be one time. So for him to now sit at 50%, uh, with a chance to win on Sunday, winning, I mean, that's still definitely the best in the game. So it, 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 um, it, if anything, it makes me feel stronger about Matthew Wolf. I feel better about his game going forward. And yeah. I look forward to seeing what he can do um, moving forward. You know, Greg, I, I want to build on your observation just a little bit there, because last year, this time over July 4th weekend, he wins. Uh, in the final group alongside Marikawa, and he makes that famous, puts together a fantastic final round, wedges in there tight in the back nine, makes a few birdies, then closes with the eagle to, to pip Marikawa by one. This year, same time, he's finished second. Granted, he spilled the thing a little, he looked ragged and sort of nervy early, which you can understand because oftentimes I feel like it's easier to be the chaser than it is to be the chased. You know, because the, when you're chasing, you're swinging free. When you chased, the, the decision-making sometimes gets blurred when you're thinking of, okay, what do I need to do? But what I, you know, from a solution-finding point of view, 
judging by these two weekends, Matthew Wolf and his crew, whoever it is, need to look at why does he play well over this time of the year and then try and replicate that throughout the season. Because as you look through his results, there, I don't know if it's biorhythms, and, and I'm getting kind of deep here, but there definitely are times that he plays well. And I, I can't say it's similar golf courses because uh, 3M, the golf course out there north of Minneapolis and Blaine, is nothing like this Detroit Golf Club was. So it's a time of the year thing. So, so all Wolf's got to do, because we know he's got the tools, is just to go and, okay, let's, let's do a real deep dive into what's going on this time of the year and why I play well, and let's try and work on perhaps um, having that proliferate and replicate itself more throughout the year. Rick, I want to get your take on this because I feel like we don't hear enough of your takes. Um, talking you about what? <laughs> do I? Do you want to hear my hot takes? <laughs> For sure. Uh, coming back from like the last month, essentially, has the way that Hovland, Wolf, and Morikawa played changed your kind of power rankings of them for the, for the future? Um, I think that against one another, probably not. Like, I still probably think, I mean, toss it up between Morikawa and Hovland. Those two are absolutely insane. I think Matthew Wolf is great, and he's a, a clear third. However, I think that my, like, when you take those three and say, how do you power, power rank them against the rest of the tour, I have probably moved them all up, right? Like, I just feel like, yeah. They're all so good, right? So I, I don't really want to look at them kind of one against another, but they, they are clearly establishing themselves. You know, Morikawa getting so close to another victory. Um, Victor Hovland has been in contention what seems like week in and week out, and, and then Matthew Wolf doing what he did this week at the Rocket Mortgage. It's just like I'm so impressed with these young guys and how ready they are when they come out of school, and this is just proving that again and again. Yeah, I mean, the number of guys – I've probably said – he's a top 25 type talent about like 80 guys this week. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm, I mean, so their problem is they haven't figured it out yet. Right. Like they have no idea what they're doing. And, and I mean that in, in like the most complimentary way possible is in that they're like mega talented and that's kind of what's carrying them right now. If I'm like Shane Lowry or Mark Leishman, if I'm Shane Lowry, I'm like, I'm glad I won my open, you know, like <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know like how that's going to go for guys like that, that are kind of middle-aged in terms of golf. Um, once the, once it clicks with these younger guys, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's scary. It's going to be unbelievable. Let's do this. What is, I want to get this from each of you. Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. What is Matthew Wolf's ceiling? Like, is, like who, if you, you can comp him if you want against somebody, but like, what's his ceiling look like? Well, it's hard because if he wins today, uh, Justin Ray had he's the only guy besides Tiger in the last 60 years to win two before like 21 and a half or uh, 21 and a half, 21 and five months, something like that. Yeah. So you're like, wow, that's that's crazy. Um, ceiling. I think his ceiling is is uh, like Bubba Watson's career, Adam Scott's career. Adam Scott's career would be his ceiling. So good careers. Yeah. Oh, it's a, well, it's he's, a, he's off to such a it's such a young start, right? I mean, you don't know how he's going to perform in major. You don't know you don't know where that's going to go when you get hey, into Adam the Scott major didn't go to college, right? Just things. Also, fair point. The <laughs> interesting thing about the Bubba Watson selection is we've kind of seen this volatility from Matthew Wolf, where okay, if week goes great, he contends, he nearly wins, 
Uh, and if it doesn't, then we don't really hear a lot from him. So that's oh. an interesting parallel. But I do. I, I think that game to what Mark was saying earlier, figuring something out about what do you do? Maybe it's time of year. Maybe it's just what do you do when you're playing well? What do you do to get what, what's the mindset when you're in contention? What's the mindset when you're, you know, in the weeks where you come in tied 47? What, what's different? And it, I think they have a ton of time to figure that out. It's hard for me to put a ceiling on it. Are, are any of these guys going to be Tiger Woods? No, um, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. But it, it's hard for me to put a ceiling on them. Could they win 25 times? Yeah, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. It's hard to say no right now. Um, so I think putting a ceiling on it is really hard. But all I can say is uh, extremely impressed with these guys so far. And I'm convinced they'll figure it out. I think Matthew Wolf's going to get more consistent, which is uh, a really, really scary thing. Bad Mark. <clears throat> What's your ceiling for, for Matthew Wolf? Okay. Yeah, I've got to be careful not to get onto my soapbox. All right. Okay, here we go. I really get my gears grinded when people start to try and define what a golfer is capable of doing. Because yes, the yes, the isn't enough. that literally our job? <laughs> no, no, but, but, but yes, I'm supposed to come, come, I'm supposed to commentate and, and analyze a situation, but I don't know what's going inside of, inside of Matthew Wolf's head when the pressure is up. Now he looked pretty loose today walking down the backside. I mean, the interactions between he and his caddy, he looked like he was playing just another round of golf. But I've heard golfers say, oh, he's a 10-win guy or, or analysts. And then the guy wins twice because of injury or, or he, he gets in contention a few times like a Duval and just doesn't finish one off. Remember how much David Duval was criticized because he was the perennial second-place guy? And then when he wins one major and shoots 59 and starts going bananas, then he's the second coming. So, so, so I have a fundamental beef with this sort of stuff. I will say this, though. He is the he's the author of his own ceiling. I could opine on the thing and say, look, I think he's going to do well to win more than five times. Because I want you to look at guys who've won five times or more on the PGA Tour. These are special, special golfers. And we are going into an era now where to all of your guys' observations, see if I'm wagging my finger now, I must get off the soapbox, that the game is changing. Now, luckily for Wolf, he's on the forefront of things because he plays this power game but we don't know who's coming into the game from wherever who it's the thing 380 in the air because they're coming and they're coming thick and fast. So, so it's, it's up to Matthew and it's hard for me to say, I, I never want to stunt a guy by saying, well, he's going to win five times. Next thing he's going to make me look like an idiot, but, but, but he's got the tools. It's up to him to, to, does he have the wherewithal to stick to it, to make the hard yards, to grind on the range when there's no glory and all that sort of stuff? That's where stuff is won and lost for me. Now, and, and, and look, he's a massive talent. He, like I said in the previous podcast, he turns my head. But never, ever is turning my head or turning media people's heads turned into victories on the tour. Trust me, I'm related to a guy who turned people's heads. Hey, uh, just like Spieth at Birkdale, timestamp that, Jacob. Just like Spieth at Birkdale to Mike to Michael Greller, to Michael Greller. Just give me a round number, Mark. Just give me a round number. Thirty-four twenty-two was that Spieth timestamp. I do think it's interesting that. Um, wait, wait, let me let me let me, let me give a number. Good. He's, is uh, what's he? Twenty-two. You said he is twenty-one. 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 Barely. Health permitting. That's another 19 solid years, maybe a little longer, right? And 
let's say he wins once every two years. That's eight. Yeah, I think he can get to double digits. Yeah, which is like I, I think sometimes we talk about double double digits like it's no big deal. But it <laughs> is a big deal though. That's ten, the thing. Ten wins is insane. Yes. If you, win, if you win ten times in a major, that's that's like the one percent of the one. I mean, that's just that's a joke. Like it's so crazy to I think actually, about that. I actually Bubba think it's getting this, yes. Go ahead, is Mark. It a Hall of Fame conversation with his resume. The, that's the question. Are they Hall of Famers or not? Because putting a number like once you get above that 10 win mark, when you have, if you get to this level that you guys are talking about for these guys and you think about the, uh, what their bank account is going to look like, what's their motivation going to be to get, <laughs> but, ser- cool. which is, it's a serious question. You got $200 million in the bank for, and are you really going to push yourself and gain the hard yards? We don't know what is going to drive these guys. I've always had this wonder if you're uh, like Dustin Johnson, you're sitting in this position with, one major, 20 wins on tour, 21 now, whatever it is. It, what's put, what, What's your next goal? Are you in no man's land where it's hard to reach the Phil Mickelson type threshold? Or So, you know, I, I don't know. You don't know what's going to push these guys once they get to a certain level. But I do think that these are three guys that are going to really challenge the Hall of Fame. Okay. Dustin, Dustin Johnson has no idea how much money is in his bank account, by the way. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think 10 wins will be increasingly more impressive because the fields keep getting deeper players keep getting better it's going to be even more impressive I have to move on now the Reverend Rick Gaiman <laughs> thank you well that, that looks like what is that it looks like is that a uh, corn on the cob that's Zach Johnson eating corn out of the claret jug Zach Johnson has I think 11 wins in two majors so that kind of that kind of drags the conversation to a different place. <laughs> well, 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 look, credit Jacob, our producer. He pops this onto the talk. Sergio Garcia. Let me tell you what. When Sergio Garcia came out as a junior, he was going to be the next big thing. I mean, yeah. Sergio had it all. Okay. And when it's all said and done, he's got a number of European tour wins. I don't know what his PGA Tour number is. Well, uh, 12. Ten, yeah, I think. Yeah. And one major. Yeah. And a player's. Yeah, but that's that's a that's like twelve in a majors, like an elite career. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's unbelievable. Uh, all right, real quick, we're gonna go one guy a piece. So I'm gonna give you a guy that you can talk about. Greg, we'll start with you because Kevin Kisner uh, ends up finishing here when all is said and done in a solo third. Two missed cuts coming in. Shoots a 66 on Sunday. Um, I don't know. I didn't see this one coming. Did you see this one coming? No, I didn't. And it's going to be, it's getting harder and harder to see these guys coming because this is, you might call the short neck giraffe of the PGA tour guy that doesn't hit the ball very far, um, gets it done with the putter on the greens. It's, it's getting more and more difficult for the Kevin Kisner type player to compete. And when they do, when they come in tied third like this, um, and I'm being very general, I'm generalizing here, getting Kevin Kisner in this conversation, but it's extremely impressive when he's able to pop up and, and contend with, with Bryson DeChambeau challenge his number. It's not an easy thing to do. So, 
it's just fascinating watching the game change. I'm very interested to see what Kevin Kisner does going forward. Is he going to try to increase his club head speed a little bit? Is he going to make a dramatic change to try to keep up? But boy, this is a player who is extremely skilled, 10th in strokes game putting for the week. It's nice to see him finally uh, get the get the putter going again. And it looks like the irons are in good form too. So I enjoy watching Kiz play, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does the rest of the way. Another Wiley veteran, Ryan Armour, Mark Immelman, finishes T4. He played with, who did he play with? Matthew Wolf, I believe, uh-huh. on yep, yep. Sunday. Um, cards an even ra- an even par round of 72. I don't know what I expected out of Ryan Armour. He exceeded my expectations this week, but um, what, do you, what do you think about his game? Well, I'm glad you asked me about Ryan because I would I, I wanted to say something about the guy because he's a diamond. I mean, he's just a gem of a human being. Um, he, he he plays an old school game. He's slightly built. We all know that. I mean, he's he's shorter than me, which is saying something. And <laughs> and you know, he's he, he he's he's one of those guys that plays a game that's bigger than what he is. And I said that to him, and that can be mistaken, and you can uh, an athlete can miscomprehend that. And he said to me, "I do. I play a game that's bigger than me." And what I love about golfers, because I feel like it's one of their keys to success, and to the Wolf conversation, Matthew does this. Ryan Armour does Ryan Armour. You know, he's not going to go chasing distance. He just knows that there are certain weeks of the year he's going to have to make hay. And this week, he came through and he did this. Uh, Just to put the thing into perspective, all right, the driving accuracy is always incredible with him. But he was, first off, um, driving distance, he was 66th in the field, averaging 286 yards. A Bryson DeChambeau flies a three-wood farther than that. So he's spotting, so Bryson's spotting him, he's spotting Bryson 50 yards on average off the tee. But he's Four. still fourth in the field, strokes gained tee through green. And he putted beautifully, and you could see him sort of navigate his way around there. And when these guys are hitting short to medium irons to par fives, He's going in there with three medals and hybrids and stuff. And he was fitting the golf ball around that course. So it was, it, it was a, it, it was a manful performance by a guy that was massively outgunned, but he didn't back down for one minute. And, 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 and I have to commend him and my hats off to, to Ryan Armour. I like that. I like that a lot, Kyle. I'm going to give you uh, Terrell Hatton who, quite frankly, is becoming one of my favorite players, not only for the commentary, but I just want to read you the results from last year's Turkish Airlines Open. So he wins that, finishes 46th in Dubai. Then he goes T6 at Mexico, wins the Arnold Palmer Invitational, T3 at the Heritage, and oh, by the way, another T4 this week at the Rocket Mortgage. It's not just uh, it's not just that he's a cool, funny guy. He's got some game, too. Yeah, it's crazy. I was looking – I was actually on his OWGR page, which is probably what you're on also, but – uh, if you go even deeper than that, he was T14 at at the uh, in China, and then he was T6 at the CJ Cup. The run that he's been on, I know it's spanned a, a, a big uh, allotment like a of, of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's been, I mean, I don't, it's been impressive. I think the crazy part, he gains a little over eight strokes in this tournament, which is, it's that's a good number for an event. It's a It's a top 10 type number. And it brings his his average for the year like down by a, a good amount. He was over three yeah. coming in, so that was two per round in this event. So it'll bring it down into the twos probably when it comes out on Monday. Um, but that just speaks to how lights out he's been all year. Um, 
yeah, he he's he's like an auto top ten right now, and and one that we haven't talked about enough. I don't think. Yeah, we, we he will he he had the fourth best strokes gain season ever before the week. We'll see what it is uh, next week. We'll see where he's at. All right, gentlemen, I want to get our takeaways from this week, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And we're back. Okay, so here's what we're going going to do. We're going to go one by one. We're going to give our biggest takeaway from the week. I'll start. I'll make this quick. I think that golf has been an incredible showcase in the first four weeks. Uh, we have no other sports or few other sports going on. Uh, basketball's coming back. Baseball's coming back. Like things are coming back, but the time that we've had where we've seen Daniel Berger win great story. We've seen some big boys win Bryson, Dustin Johnson, all in all, it's been, I think a really good success from what we've seen from the tour. And I'm just happy about that. I'm happy that golf is getting the showcase. We get to talk about it all the time. Greg, let's go to you. What is your big takeaway uh, from this week? Uh, I would say we've known this for a very long time. And Rick, I agree with you, by the way, golf's in a great place. So it, it's great to see. I really enjoy watching that. Um, but when it comes to Bryson DeChambeau, he is my biggest takeaway of the week, of course. And it just speaks to the uh, the individuality, the ability to believe in yourself, to believe in what it is that you want to accomplish uh, and, and not letting anybody else get in your way. There's a ton of noise whenever you're trying to accomplish whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And uh, Bryson is a great example, George Washington-like example of not allowing that to get in your way. So my biggest takeaway of the week uh, and man, hats off to him. I'd actually argue it's an Albert Einstein-like uh, takeaway um mark immelman uh what is your takeaway from this week well apparently par is i mean <laughs> how about the cut numbers we've had over the last four weeks we've gone four under four under five under what was it this week for four or five as well i mean that's that's five, insane. Five. five under that, that's absolute insanity because you standing 
as some guy who's trying to, you know, you know, who's not the blue chip guy who's driving at 350, um, you're standing on the first tee th Thursday morning and you're like, geez, I got to do 69 and 70 just to creep into some weekend action. That's changing the game. That truly is changing the game. And then, and then just to build on that a little bit, any young golfer listening to this thing who wants to really get good, it's now beginning to get proven that if you're good with your two straightest face golf clubs in your bag, the driver and the putter, you can be a match for anyone. I mean, I've always believed that a good putter is a, is a match for anybody, but if you can drive it right and put it properly, you can be dominant. And Bryson is beginning to show us that. Uh, Driving is not just for show anymore. Kyle, I think your takeaway is very important because this is not the end of the Bryson DeChambeau conversation. No, just workshopping here nicknames, by the way. How do you feel, Mark? How do you feel about this? The founding father for Bryson? <laughs> ah, I like it. Okay, yeah, we're onto something there. New era. Yeah, we'll, we'll work. Does on, he get we'll a spot on Mount Rushmore? <laughs> okay, so the Bryson thing, I think I, I, I don't, I've gotten some feedback on, on Twitter this week. Like, why do you hate Bryson? Why do you, I don't, I, Bryson's great. Like, I, the, it's, it's a spectacle. I love it. I don't, whatever um but i do think that so we had this and this kind of came out after our podcast on saturday this this brouhaha if you will on the seventh green between a cameraman and bryson and bryson went on this whole ordeal he was filmed like swiping at the sand at, at the bunker and then he explained it as like hey players need privacy on the course uh it's ruining our brand for stuff to be broadcast and it's like Bro, like, what do you what do you think all of this is? Like, this is all just a it's all just for like a, a a huge like traveling show. Like, it's not like what what are you even talking about here? I just thought that was it wasn't a good look, and it speaks to what I'm talking about earlier. He he lacks self awareness, and you don't need self awareness to be good at golf, but it doesn't come off great when you're not self-aware and it leads to him being the villain who doesn't know he's the villain to tie this back to what I said earlier. And I don't know, it, it just, I, I don't know how you look at that and think anything other than he doesn't really like know what's going on here. I, I, we're, we're going to need another hour. I, I, I like this. This is something I think we need to dive deeper into because I don't think it's necessarily the tour's responsibility or anybody's responsibility to make sure that Bryson is portrayed in a way that Bryson wants to be portrayed other than Bryson's responsibility. Like, I, I don't, I don't know where else there is to go on that. That's a topic for another day, I think. Well, and uh, he, real quick, he brought up Tiger and, and he was talking about how like, you know, he he used tiger as an example and it's like bro tiger like everything he's ever done has been filmed and yet how few examples do we have of him of like losing it has it happened for sure but tiger also understands what has made him famous right which is cameras on him at all times and you can argue about whether tiger actually enjoys that he probably doesn't i think he's kind of said that he doesn't but I just thought it, I thought it demonstrated a complete lack of self-awareness from Bryson for like how all of this works. Let's put a pin in that. Cause I want to talk about that. We're going to have to remember that. Um, all right, real quick, gentlemen, we are going to get a very rare thing on tour in the next two weeks. Uh, I I've been saying this and I assume we, I assume I haven't looked this up that we've never played back-to-back -back events at the same course before Greg. I, 
imagine that's never happened outside of, I don't know, some weird wartime thing, but we are going to get that. We're going to get the workday charity open at Muirfield Village, and then we're going to get the memorial. What are you looking forward to? Is there anybody in the field? I mean, Justin Thomas is back. John Rahm is back. Justin Rose is back. A little bit of a deeper field. How are you feeling about next week? I'm really excited about it. We're not going to get Bryson next week, which I find I found that to be an interesting decision for him to play this week and not next week. It turned out to work out. So he answered that question. The guy I'm looking at next week is Patrick Cantlay. He's only played once since the restart, which is very, very interesting. But he won last year at the Memorial. Uh, he came in tied 11th, by the way, at the Travelers, the one event that he's played. And it seems to me like he's saving. He, he's been saving himself for this back-to-back weeks at Muirfield village, of course, that he really likes. So I think he's going to come in fresh. A lot of guys aren't fresh. We've kind of gotten out to a, uh, an aggressive start schedule wise. And I, I think Patrick Cantlay is going to have a, a great couple of weeks at Muirfield village. I, I like that a lot. I'm laser focused Mark on how the course could even potentially play differently over two weeks. I know you mentioned, yeah, Hey, here are the pins. Don't touch my pins for the Memorial, but like, I always think of like growing rough up. They're going to have like what two days in between this. Like what, what could actually change from week to week here? Well, uh, grass grows, obviously. So, I mean, that's stuff for sure. How fast. <laughs> what, a, what a take. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's by, by the time, if, if they don't start trimming that rough this week, by the time Memorial rolls around, it'll be downright grizzly. Yeah. But I feel like they'll keep the stuff topped off at like three inches or whatever the number they decide is, is fair to the players. Um, so yeah, going to the, for me, I, if, I, if I pass the COVID test, I'm going to be at a place that I feel like is probably one of the best golf courses, if not the best on the PGA Tour for two weeks. And it's going to be a spectacle. And you speak of players to keep eyes on. I mean, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to watch for Jason Day. It's, it's his home golf course, okay? He's a member around there. And, and I need him to start showing something. This was a guy who professed sort of this time last year, perhaps maybe a little earlier, that... Um, that he brought Steve Williams into the fray to try and get back to the top of the game. Well, you know, things are sort of stuttered a little bit and, and, and he hasn't gotten out of neutral very much and he's gone back to some old stuff. So I'm keen to see how he goes there. And then I, I just feel like it's time now for John Rahm to do a little John Rahm stuff. So, so that's sort of what I look out for next week. John Rahm doing John Rahm stuff. I would be looking forward to that as well. Kyle, I'm positive you think this is setting up for there, – there is no other way this goes on Sunday than Phil Mickelson holding the trophy and saying, this one's for you, work day. There's no other way. That's how this goes. Uh, yeah, yeah. remember our conversation here recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> – now we've mentioned we've mentioned two guys that, that I don't think um, – that I don't think will – I don't think Jason Day or Phil Mickelson will ever win a PGA Tour event again. I don't think you're wrong. How do you feel about that, Mark? Kyle, man. <laughs> more time around you. You just you just brightened my day with some of the stuff that you say. Hey, you I like, gotta have, you like the listen, Northern listen. Star straight out of Dallas, Texas. <laughs> listen, here's the thing. My 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 accent, the way I speak, it's not people don't like it. So I gotta have takes. I gotta have like I gotta have things that people rally chef. around. You're the you're the, you're the you're the chef of takes. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I I haven't seen. I actually is is Ron playing both events? Do we know that? Uh, he's he not going to skip the memorial. memorial. Yeah, he wouldn't skip memorial. Uh, but he's playing the first one for sure. Yes. Okay. 
If he passes his test, remember. I saw JT's playing the front. I don't know. I think JT is interesting. Um, I was stunned that he missed Travelers. He's yeah. been really good from T to green since he came back. I know it's a real, like, I'm really going out on a limb to to say, hey, watch for the number four player in the world. But, uh, yeah, I, I like JT. All right. Well, we'll be- um, oh, man. Yeah, I, I really like the Cantlay one. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that's I, I think Justin Rose is also interesting, who has been obviously great T to green, and he has a good, a good uh, record at the Memorial. But I'm going to put you on the spot here because apparently you're the king of the sleepers selection. Oh. So, uh, yeah, let's let's go off the the let, let's take a, a step farther out onto the limb a little bit, shall we? Okay. Hey. Do you see, uh... I used father in the correct context. <laughs> Inside joke. Did uh, the guys that you were doing head-to-head matchups with on the weekend that were that were like bad? Um, did like what was it? Bad putting or bad? Yeah, bad yeah. putting. Did yeah. they all hit? Yeah, basically all of them. So for, so round four was uh, one of them pushed, the other three won. And then Saturday, I mean, it's just, it's printing money at this point. Books I need to, figure it I out. need to get on this. I need to talk to my wife about some stuff, <laughs> move some funds around. There you go. Uh, here's your sleeper, Kevin Streelman. Uh, plenty of upside, right? Played well at ah. Travelers. Uh, finished fourth at the Memorial last year. Three more top 20s since 2015. There's your Sunday evening sleeper. Okay, check, check check my statement from a little while ago. I'd rather spend time with around you than with Kyle Porter. <laughs> we need to connect. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, we're gonna break down the whole, the whole the <laughs> whole Tuesday DFS preview, betting preview for the workday charity open. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Let me thank Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at the real GFD. He is not the fake GFD. You can find Mark Immelman on Twitter and Instagram at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find Kyle Porter on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.